Good morning and welcome to Kirkpatrick's online service. Whether you tune in every week or this is your first time watching, you are so welcome. I wonder how you are feeling this morning with the six week lockdown ahead of us. Maybe you're feeling a little bit hopeless. Maybe you're fed up. Maybe you're angry. Or maybe you even feel a little bit afraid. As we come to worship God this morning and hear from his word, how amazing is it that we can be assured that the God we serve is sovereign over all things and deeply cares for his children. Let me begin this morning by reading from Psalm 93, a psalm that reminds us that even in the midst of our sinful and broken world, even though we may feel afraid and hopeless, we serve a God who is mighty, powerful and worthy of our praise. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established, firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. Let's pray together now. Father God, thank you for this day. We thank you for this Advent season in which we have been able to reflect upon and celebrate your son Jesus being born into the world. Even though our Christmas celebrations were very different this year, we thank you that the amazing news of the birth of your son into this world is unchanging and sure. Father, as we reflect upon the week behind us, we are so mindful of the ways we have not lived to bring you the honour you deserve. Forgive us, Father, and help us change, we pray. Father, help us to face these weeks ahead of us Acknowledging that you are in control, knowing that there is not one thing that can happen to us that you do not know about. As we come to worship you now and hear from your word, may our eyes be fixed upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together our first hymn, Rejoice the Lord is King. Someone once told me that preparing a sermon is a bit like getting dressed. The Bible passage provides a whole wardrobe of clothes and it's the preacher's job to choose the right outfit. It might sound like odd advice to you, but it kind of makes sense to me. When you spend some time in a Bible passage, you realise there's so much there, so much that you want to bring into your sermon, but you can't. You have to make choices. You have to decide what God perhaps wants you to say. And so you have to choose an outfit. And I have to confess to you, I find it really difficult to choose the outfit for this sermon. There is so much going on in these 12 verses in Matthew. I guess one option for us, an obvious option perhaps, is to take out the robe of kingship. You see, kingship is quite an important theme in Matthew's gospel. It's a theme that we've encountered already. Remember back to when Christoph 
preached on that incredible genealogy. One of the things we discovered is that Jesus' family line stretches all the way back to King David. And so one of the things we could ask of this passage today is, well, what does it have to teach us about the kingship of Christ? How does Matthew's contrast between Jesus and King Herod show us the type of king that Jesus is? That's one option. Another option might be to adopt the guise of the detective and take a magnifying glass to these mysterious, rather elusive figures from the East. You know, there's so much that we get wrong about the so-called three wise men. And it wouldn't take very much detective work this morning, I think, to set a few facts straight. Maybe over Christmas you've had a chance to watch the quiz show QI. Well, if you know it, you'll know that um, a loud claxton sounds any time a panellist gives an obvious but incorrect answer. If that claxton had been in operation while we were singing our last song, we wouldn't have heard very much of it. We Three Kings of Orient are is a great carol. There's lots of good stuff in it. It's worth singing. But the three kings probably weren't three. And they almost certainly were not kings. So we could do a little bit of sleuthing. And I have to say I, I quite like the thought of that. Because I think it challenges us to think about how we read the Bible or Maybe I should say how we don't read it. Very often we think we know Bible stories so well that we come to scripture with our interpretations already made. But we should always be open to the surprise of scripture. So those are two possible outfits. And now that I've given you those two mini sermons, I guess I should get to the sermon we have for today. How are we going to dress ourselves? Well, I think what we need to do is to think about the theme of this series, which is follow me. And so let's ask ourselves, what does this passage have to tell us about what it means to follow Jesus? And, you know, I think it has quite a bit to say because these short 12 or so verses in Matthew show us the different ways of responding to Jesus. These ways of responding will be played out throughout Matthew's gospel, in fact. We'll see it in the people we encounter in Jesus' ministry and the characters in his parables. All of them have mixed responses to Christ. There's resistance. There's indifference at times. And there's also those who submit to him who acknowledge who he is, who pay homage to him. And it's these three responses that we see played out here in Matthew chapter 2. We've got the resistance of Herod, the indifference of the religious leaders, and the homage of the Magi. Let's have a look at Herod first. Herod's resistance is not immediately apparent to us. 
In fact, in the verses we've read together today, all that we discover is that he's disturbed. Some translations have frightened at the news that this child has been born king of the Jews. We do get that rather uneasy, ominous feeling when the Magi get that dream and go home by another way. We get the sense that Herod has some ill um, ill will for this, this child. Those feelings, of course, will only be confirmed in a couple of weeks' time when we get to read the rest of the chapter. Then we will see what Herod's intentions truly are. I alluded to this a little bit on Christmas Day, you might remember. It's one of those really dark parts of the Christmas story. The massacre of the innocents. And you know, it's worth saying here that this sort of brutality is not at all out of character for Herod. Herod was a notoriously cruel and ruthless um, ruler. The ancient historian Josephus um, gives us an example of just how cruel he could be. We discover that Herod was willing to murder two of his own sons, his favourite sons we are told, and one of his wives. He had ten of them apparently, simply because he suspected them of being disloyal. Apparently there was a rumour in the marketplaces of the Roman Empire that went something like this, or a saying I should say. It's safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. And so we can understand it. When the Magi approach Herod with this news that the king of the Jews has been born, we can understand why he reacts the way he does, why he sees this child as a threat to his own reign. But you know, as sinful, as horrendous, Herod may be, we need to be very careful that we don't turn him into some sort of pantomime villain. That would make him too easy to ignore. And that would be all too convenient for us. Because I think one of the things Matthew is trying to do here is to suggest to us that Herod is an extreme example of a voice that we all hear in our heads from time to time. A voice that whispers to us that we are the centre of the universe, that we are the most important person in the world. Do you ever hear that voice? I'll be honest with you, I do. I heard it just this past week when again in the news we hear of further restrictions and possibility of school closures in after Christmas in the new year. Do you know what my first thought was? My first thought was, what does this mean for me? What does it mean for my work, my deadlines at college, for my needs? See, the truth is about me, when I become tired and under pressure, but I'm feeling a little bit sorry for myself, to be honest, that's whenever I put my needs first, when I can become selfish and inconsiderate. I don't think I'm alone in that. I think we can all be like that from time to time. But Matthew's gospel reminds me that this is not what it means to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to acknowledge that he is the centre of the universe. And I mean that literally, he is the centre of the universe. And you know what that means? That means that I'm not. And you're not either. 
I think very often we treat Jesus as an add-on, as an enhancement, a supplement, something just to make our lives better. And of course Jesus promises life in all its fullness. But we need to remind ourselves that following Jesus means giving up our life so that we might find it. It means laying down our burdens and concerns so that we can take up his burdens. To be frank, following Jesus means picking up our cross and walking after him. So maybe Herod had one thing right. He recognised that Jesus was a disruptive figure. There's a cost to following Jesus. Herod's urgency is not shared though by the religious leaders of his day. It's easy to overlook their role in the narrative, isn't it? They hardly appear at all. They only feature, I think, in three verses. But they have an important role to play because they show us the second way of responding to Jesus, which is indifference. We read in the passage that Herod called them to ask them where this Messiah would be born. And did you notice like that? As quick as a flash, they have the answer. In Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. They could even point to the place in the prophet Micah where this prophecy is contained. Now, it's important to note here, these scribes know their stuff. The answer was on the tip of their tongues. They, they knew it. They're well versed in the scriptures. And more than anybody else then, they should be waiting, prepared for this coming child. In fact, they should be pushing the Magi out of their way to get out the door to rush to Bethlehem so that they could worship this promised king for themselves. That's what we would expect. But these religious leaders, who have the knowledge, seem to do nothing with it. Well, they do something. They roll up the scroll and they put it back on the shelf. You know, I have to say, as somebody who's an aspiring religious leader, I have felt the challenge of their inaction acutely. It's very easy to say words, to pay lip service to God. It's a different thing entirely to listen to God's words, to really hear them, to let them sink in. You know, a preacher that I know and respect um, once used an illustration to show that preachers are at the risk of becoming like water fountains. Statues with water spurting out of their mouths. The water flows effortless, effortlessly but the statue doesn't get wet. The water doesn't seep into the skin of the preacher. That's not the sort of preacher I want to be and it's not the sort of Christian I want to be. Instead, I think here of Eugene Peterson who wrote a book called Eat This Book. Peterson reminds us that we are to eat scripture. We're to consume it so that it 
gets down into our bones. Here's what he, he has to say at one point. We are not interested in knowing more like those religious leaders, but in becoming more. We're interested in discipleship in being formed and shaped in the likeness of Christ. You know, it appears that the religious leaders in this story that, that Herod has gathered around him have become like water fountains, haven't they? But you know, I wonder, I wonder is something else going on here that we could easily miss? I wonder is the real issue here, the reason that they're not able to acknowledge this newborn child, this promised king who has come, is it because um, the words of Christ's birth come from these Gentiles from the East? And not only are they Gentiles, but we read they're Magi. And for the Jewish leaders, they will know their scripture and they know that scripture forbids this sort of stargazing, trying to discern the times by looking at the stars. But the great irony of this text, the great irony that Matthew presents us with, is that it is these Gentile men from the East, these Magi, who respond most appropriately to Christ. Look again at how they respond. We read, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Matthew's gospel is often regarded as a gospel written with an eye to a Jewish audience. But here it's clear that this Jewish Messiah is for the whole world, Gentiles included. The religious leaders of the day seem to be unable to accept that God could be leading these men from the East, whose fascination with the stars in their mind makes them more unwise than wise. But you know, reading these words, I was reminded of that moment in the book of Acts when Paul is in Athens and speaking to this group of philosophers. And to speak to them of the true God, the creator God, he points to one of their pagan statues. Statue to an unknown God. My hero, Marilyn Robinson, writes about this moment in an essay of hers. And she says that Paul recognised that behind all the idolatry was a metaphysics and what she means is they had a sense of the divine what Calvin would call a sensus divinitatis that inbuilt all of this is this longing to know God behind the idolatry of the magi behind their stargazing there was a metaphysics there was a longing to discover the creator God. It was astrology that led them to Jerusalem. But did you notice? It was scripture that pointed them to Christ. I want to suggest to you today that in responding to Jesus, we want to be like the Magi. Against the resistance of Herod and the indifference of the religious experts of the day, we want to find ourselves face down on the ground, don't we? 
in worship of Jesus, paying homage to him. Perhaps that's where you'd like to be today. But right now you may, you feel more resistant or indifferent to Jesus. Well, let me tell you that you're not at all that different from the Magi or any of the rest of us for that matter. Because all of us, every one of us, followed a star before we followed Christ. What I mean is, there was something inside all of us, some metaphysic behind our idolatry, that caused us to question what this life on earth is all about. What is it for? Something deep seated within us, some longing compelled us to come here to church. Because we believe that it's here, it's in the church that we might see Jesus. That we might see the answer to all of this longing. It's here that we will discover that there is something true. Something really true that we don't understand at times, but in our gut, in the inmost of our very being, we know to be true. Something life-changing about this Christianity. Something we know that we desperately need. You know, in the earliest days of the church, Christianity wasn't a word, didn't exist. Instead, the earliest believers were known as followers of the way. Now, it doesn't seem at all insignificant to me then that the journey of the Magi ends with Matthew telling us in verse 12 that they returned home by another route from the one they came. Or to translate this differently, as you'll find in other Bible translations, they returned by another way. They were transformed by meeting the Christ child. On this last Sunday of 2020, which has been a difficult year, a year when we have been confronted with the blunt reality that we are not at the centre of the universe, ask yourself, how do you want to begin 2021? Do you want to continue on the route you've been on? Or is it time to do it differently? Is it time for you to go another way? In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we approach you now grateful that the Lord Jesus has come. Grateful that you sent your Son to take on flesh, to dwell among us. In the strangest Christmas season that many of us have seen, we give thanks that the Lord Jesus has come. For some of us, Father, it has been harder this year to enter into the spirit of expectant waiting and the time of preparation of the Advent season. We've been making plans and changing them. We've been dealing with uncertainty and experiencing worry for our friends and family. 
Our minds have been full, and in the midst of all this, it hasn't been easy to prepare ourselves to celebrate Christ's birth. And yet, Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus has indeed come. Father God, who sent your Son to live among us, we bring our prayers before you. We think of those, many in our own congregation, who have been distant from loved ones this Christmas, who have been unable to spend time with those they so wanted to be with. There's been disappointment and sadness, and so we ask for your spirit of comfort. Since the first Christmas was one of simplicity and hardship, we know that you understand the pain that many have felt. For others, Lord, some gatherings were possible and some valuable time was spent with loved ones. For that and for the phone calls and the Zoom calls that allowed us to connect with others, we give you thanks. As so often in the last number of months, we pray for our health service, particularly now as it enters a period of strain. Resource those providing treatment and care. Give them strength and energy. And we ask that you would keep the health service from overburden so the quality of care would be given to those who need it. Lord, be with all of us as we enter another period of lockdown. Be present to us during this first week with its stay-at-home curfew and in the weeks of restrictions to follow. Be especially with those who are lonely. We thank you, Father, for the vaccine, and we ask that you would hasten the end of this pandemic. In the days leading to January, we begin to look at what is to come in the new year, and we see a world in transition. Father, we ask that you would be with our own country and with the European Union as we enter the post-Brexit period, with the changed relationship that this brings between Britain and its neighbours. Father, work against animosity and bring healing where there has been fracture. We pray too for the United States and the coming political transition. We ask that the change of leadership would be peaceful. And we pray that you would give guidance and wisdom to the new president. Father, we bring before you the needs of our own congregation. We continue to pray for the Grahams following George's diagnosis and ask that they would have the care that they need. And we continue to lift up the Aikens following Lena's surgery. Bless Lena's treatment, Father, and sustain Rachel and Al throughout this time. We hold before you too those others known to us and loved by us, experiencing ill health and dealing with difficult diagnoses. Father, we pray for Christoph, Claire and the family as they prepare to leave Kirkpatrick and start ministry in Hamilton Road. Our hearts are full of thanks for all that they have given to this church and how they have helped to build this community in Ballyhackamore. Bless their next steps and the extension of their ministry to Bangor. Lord, prepare Kirkpatrick for its own period of transition in the new year. We trust you with the future and look to it with hopeful expectation. Thank you, Father, for the Christmas season, a season that is not yet over. In these last days of 2020, incline our hearts to the Saviour who has come. In Jesus' name, Amen. Who else could rescue us from our failing? Who else would offer his only son? Who else invites us to call him Father? 
only a holy God. What amazing words to sing this morning and what an amazing truth to hold on to. I'd love to leave these words from Romans chapter 8 verses 38 to 39 with you this morning. May these words stay in our hearts and in our minds as we go into the week ahead of us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.